Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for today's incredibly special episode of TCCP is none other than up-and-coming Leicestershire and former Hampshire all-rounder Mr Thomas Scriven. So Tom, first things first mate, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast today. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome you on for a chat about all things county crickets. I've got to ask, mate, how's your day been so far? Yeah, pleasure to be here. Um, my day's been good. Um, had a little walk this morning, which was nice. Little little bacon roll early on. Um, so it's been it's been very relaxed. It's been a very very easy morning for sure. It sounds like a very autumnal morning, doesn't it? And <laughs> a nice walk and a bacon roll. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's cold enough, isn't it? That's the issue. It's uh, it's pretty Baltic at the minute. It is. It's freezing here in Warwickshire as well. Oh, I cannot believe it. Flipping heck. Woke up this morning, condensation on the windows. It's absolutely, it's freezing. Yeah, I know you need the, the heating that need, needs to be on, doesn't it? A lot of blankets. Um, yeah, I suppose as well when you're, when you're active a lot of the time, having to uh, be sat at home or not doing much is, uh, makes it also a bit difficult. So it's, uh, yeah, the combined, combined two isn't, isn't ideal at the minute. It isn't, but blink and you miss it, isn't it? Winter will be out of the way and all of a sudden we'll be preparing yeah, well. for 2024. It's quite scary. It is. But then again, for us here at the Counts Cricket Podcast, it's quite an exciting time of year, actually, because <laughs> obviously we can start building up again. But we're not here to discuss 2024 just yet. To be honest, Tom, I think we'll discuss that towards the end of today's episode of the podcast. But before we jump the gun and we talk about the future, I wanted to take it all the way back to the origins of the Tom Scriven cricketing story. So what were your first ever memories of cricket, either playing or watching this simply magnificent game? Um, my first memories would be when I was about, probably combined of, of being about three or four and playing with, with my dad um, and he'd just be throwing balls at me basically, like little underarms and I'd just be trying to whack it um, and you know, combined with that and then like seeing like footage of that because my parents recorded a bit and stuff, kind of obviously jogs back those those kind of memories that would probably be my uh, my earliest but I used to just play the whole time, kind of any sports to be fair, I think I was always kind of kicking a ball or trying to catch a ball or throwing a rugby ball around, hitting a, um, like a tennis ball, um, so it was always, always like sports going on the whole time but that would probably be my earliest memories of cricket, literally in the backyard, just hitting a tennis ball age, like three or four. Well, it's a lovely route into the game. And you mentioned there about playing other sports because this is something which is actually quite a common occurrence on the podcast, the diversity of sports mm. that people play in those early years. And to be honest, a lot of research shows that it does help your cricket in the long run. But for you personally, Tom, what was it about the game of crickets which stood out above the likes of football, rugby and tennis. Why did you choose crickets of all sports? Good question. It's, uh, I suppose, one of them obviously being that I was probably best at it with that and, and rugby were the two that kind of carried on going till I was 18. Um, I don't know, it was just one of those things where, you know, you're younger and that was the thing that I'd always want to do more than anything else. I'd always be picking a bat up and giving my dad a ball to throw at me or throwing a ball, a tennis ball at him, rather than it being a football or a rugby ball. The hours I kind of did cricket-wise was 
way more than than anything else um couldn't tell you why i guess obviously just loved it the, the most like it was um yeah literally would always nag my dad to always be doing it we'd get home from work and i'd have a stump and he'd have a tennis ball and he'd sit down and throw me for like hours when i was yeah growing up um and and i did that i guess rather than kicking a football against the wall for hours which i did a bit but nowhere near to the extent of, of cricket i guess um and same with rugby like you can you could have i could have been kicking balls from a tee for, for hours and stuff but for some reason it was just always cricket that um i don't know just would always it always attracted me i guess um and always always wanted to be a cricket player over the other two it was always cricket i think from a real young age that i kind of saw as as being the dream i guess well i think it's safe to say that that's uh, that decision has paid off hasn't it tom as we shall discuss later on in the podcast now a a trophy winner with Leicestershire County <laughs> Cricket Club, as we shall discuss. But in terms of those formative years, again, before we do jump the, the gun a bit too early, I just wanted to talk about those early stages because aside from your dad, who quite clearly had a massive influence in those early days and stoking the flames of your love for crickets, who in the, the world of professional crickets really stood out to you in terms of maybe a role model per se? Did you have any icons, any influences? Any idols in those formative years that you almost looked up to as a young cricketer? Um, it's difficult because in so I came through the Berkshire uh, ranks, so live in Berkshire, used to live in Berkshire. Um, so that was like minor county cricket. Was from the age I, I was eight when I started playing um, for Berkshire. So you, 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 and then obviously then fed through then to Middlesex. So I was then on like the um, kind of EPP at Middlesex and then moved from there to go to Hampshire's Academy. So you kind of, you've gone through a lot of systems where there's a lot of coaches. So it's, it's hard to kind of signal out a single one because you, you, you're coming across a lot of, uh, a lot of minds that obviously played the game for a while. So you're trying to pick brains as, as much as you can do at that age, I guess, you, you know, you're probably a bit naive to do it as much as, as much as you should um so there's obviously a lot of a lot of coaches throughout all those that have obviously helped a lot in that younger stages um but then again like ultimately like my dad was my Berkshire coach as well for a couple of years um so like that was the biggest influence I'd say um I never really had like a, a set role model um or someone that I watched on tv and I was like oh, I want to be him like I want to be him I kind of liked loads of players i guess um so like obviously watching like the 2005 ashes like oh, i was obviously like, really young watching it but like watching all those players play i was the first time i probably watched cricket i think um and like watching i don't know like watching how ponting would bat but then at the same time like flintoff bowling as well but then mcgrath bowling lee like all these guys were the first kind of taste of cricket that i'd probably seen on the tv and watched um but in terms of like actual role models or people looking up to it, I wouldn't say there was like a set person, um, probably apart from my dad, that would that would fit that category. Fair enough. A, a lovely answer and just goes to show the importance of having multiple influences mm. in the game of cricket. And maybe just maybe that's why you became an all-rounder as opposed to a specialist seamer or indeed a specialist bat because you had all of these different role mm. models. And in terms of those 2005 Ashes, I think I need a siren or an alarm, to be honest, on this podcast. It comes up so often and it gives me a great excuse to talk <laughs> about 
one of the greatest test series of all time. But if you could go back to 2005 and relive one moment from that most iconic of series between England and Australia, hmm. which moments would you choose and why? Oh, such a good question. Uh, I think it's got to be when they get uh, the wicket of when they were chasing it down and then it's is it Kasperovic that gets caught down the leg side off his off his hip or something and it's not out obviously nowadays he would have been straight upstairs with the old review um and Garrett Jones takes a great catch down the leg side um I think that moment was just wild like that's just the most like what a wild test test match um and to finish like that was was just insane so that would probably be up there for the one of them Great shouts. Absolutely fantastic shouts from the second test at Edgebaston. What a crowd, what a game, what a series. Yeah, like that, yeah. Goodness me. Honestly, that is a great shout. It really is. And in terms of that decision, it's interesting you mentioned there that he probably could have reviewed it because this has been a, a topic of controversy on this podcast over the years. It really has. Did Kasperwich glove that ball behind to Geraint Jones? Do you think he did? Uh... No, I don't think he did from memory. I don't think he did. Oh, wow. Okay, that's interesting. Well, from my memory, I don't think it did. Doesn't it like it just comes off his hip or arm or something? Oh, it, that's, the, that's the problem. It, it's touch and go. It is near the glove. If you look back on the replay, it's by the glove, but I oh, think really? he was adamant that he didn't glove it, and yet England, obviously, <laughs> were adamant well, that he did. Well, there we go. Yeah, well, it's, yeah it's, just, it's just crazy, isn't it? Like It's just so good, though, that... Yeah, just like real time. There's no delays. It's just kind of once you had a decision, isn't it? That was it. Um, yeah. Absolutely. It is just one of those moments which even talking about it now, that was 18 years ago, which is scary to think about, to be honest. But that was 18 years ago. And yet even a mere mention of that series, that moment, one of those test matches just brings back so many fantastic memories for an entire mm. generation of cricketers in this country. So a great yes. shout there, Tom. And exactly. yeah, imagine that there'll be quite a few people undergoing a bit of nostalgia as they're <laughs> listening back to this segment of the podcast. But in terms of your, your style as an all-rounder, I did mention there that you chose to become a seamer as opposed to a spin bowler. Again, was there any reason for that? Uh, not really, because to be fair, when I was... I remember I went for trials, under 10 Berkshire trials, um, when I was seven, and I, I was bowling leg spin, half leg spin, half uh, seam. So, like, it was... My dad was like, oh, I'll try both out. Do you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't one or the other at that, that age kind of thing. And then when I got to around like eight or nine, it kind of just stuck with seam, basically. And I just, yeah, I don't know why why it changed to that. I think I just was, uh, I think I just preferred it, to be honest with you. But, like, I tried, you know, did both growing up. I'd bowl at half spin, half seam. Like, when I'd practice and stuff, I'd start with seam, and then I'd bowl, like, half an hour of spin after. Um so I was, you know, tried both out, but yeah, I obviously wasn't cut out to be a spinner. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was, um, it became seam, I suppose. Yeah. Probably the the sensible decision then, if it was the stronger of the two. Yeah, it's hard. Leg spin's hard. Like, yeah, I was sorry, it was just yeah, it's difficult, really difficult. So I, uh, yeah, I'm pretty glad I kept the seam option. It is difficult, isn't it? I mean, this is the problem with leg spin because you watch players like Shane Warne and Rashid Khan, and Adil Rashid, and you think, ah, it doesn't look too bad, does it? And then you try it in the nets, and <laughs> five balls on the roof of the net later, and you're thinking, why did I not just choose to become a seam bowler? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, the, yeah, it's, it's certainly a, a difficult skill, isn't it? And yeah, it's something that probably a lot of, a lot of practice went into, I guess. 
<laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Flipping heck. Honestly, any leg spinner I have a tremendous amount of credit for and appreciation, actually, because how they can stick to that, and especially at times when you're getting smacked about the field and you must just feel like you want the, the earth to swallow you up. I, I have so yeah. much respect for leg spinners. So, yeah. To be fair, <laughs> I mean, nowadays it happens all, all bowls, doesn't it? Whether you're a team or anything, I think. I think it's just difficult. I think, yeah, spin, especially because I feel like when you're younger and you bowl spin in the nets, everyone just tries to whack you. So, like, there's always one where, at least the seam, you might be getting whacked a bit, but maybe there might be someone that they don't wear a spin. Everyone feels like they can just try and whack you. Whether they do or don't is obviously something very different, but it is, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a trial by fire, isn't it, as a young spin bowler, but you have to keep at it. That'd be my advice for any young spin bowlers out there, if you can, or if you want to be a seam bowler, be a seam bowler. Just choose whichever one you feel will be better in terms of your cricket development. And Tom, talking of your cricket development then, how did you go from playing in the back garden with your dads to, to representing Berkshire? What were the stages in terms of that path and that route into the game itself? Um. So... I think my first like cricket academy was like Dummer Academy down in in Hampshire. And that was um, I think I was six six then, um, and then started. There was no club cricket. So I lived in in West Ilsley, and there was no uh, age group stuff at the time. Um, so there wasn't club cricket on there. So I played for a little team called Compton. It was like the village across. Um, and then from there, there was there was then Berkshire trials. So I went at seven, um, didn't get in, and then went as an eight year old and played my first year um, at under tens county cricket, which was which was cool just to play at a relatively young age and just get experience um, from from that. And and it was yeah, it was it was really good fun. Um, and kind of played Berkshire all the way to fourteen. Tried to play like men's cricket. Um, whether that was like like second team, just like on a, on a Saturday at the West Aussie, the local club cricket team, um, and I loved that. Like, absolutely loved it. Like playing with with all the guys that you kind of took you in and kind of really made you you feel at home. Obviously, being like significantly smaller and stuff, but it was uh, I think it's just so good as as a young player to play men's cricket at a young age. Um, it's just different, I guess, and it's I think yeah, I think it. It really, really helped me um, with with aspects of my game, I guess, and, and I loved it. Like it was so much fun playing, um, and and yeah, that's kind of how that kind of progression to to Berkshire kind of came about. A lot of a lot of time playing with a stump and a tennis ball indoors um, as well. Well, that's excellent, and again, it just goes to show, doesn't it? It's funny how life works out sometimes. The fact that from those humble beginnings, it led to Berkshire, then Hampshire. And obviously now Leicestershire, so it is funny how life works out mm. sometimes. And before we talk about the Rose and Crown of Hampshire County Cricket Club, just one final question about Berkshire, because I was going to ask about how you reflect upon your times with the National County side, but from that passage, it seems to be overwhelmingly positive. So what do you say was your favourite moment or memory from your time in that Berkshire system? Oh, good question. Uh, there was a lot of good... There was a lot of good times um, at Taunton Festival, you know, going off there with all your mates and stuff for a couple of days, whatever it was, a week, and, and playing there was a lot of fun. Um, I think getting, uh, I got 
was my high score for a long, a long time. I got 180 as a 10 year old um, for Berkshire, and that was probably one of the highlights of, of my playing kind of time there. Um, that was a pretty cool day. Um, but it was just, yeah, they were just great. All the all the players were always so great to to kind of be around. Like, it was such legends. I like, still see a lot of them and, and talk to a lot of them. Quite a few have come through all the way now and playing the men's first team, which is, you know, credit to Berkshire and, and bringing players through. And obviously then also they're, you know, creating professional players as well coming from Berkshire. There's quite a, a few, which is, you know, credit to the system and all the hard work that goes into it from, from the coaches. Um and you know all that kind of behind the scenes work that not necessarily gets the the, the light that it, it should. Absolutely, and in terms of the national counties as a setup, Berkshire definitely are one to watch out for. In recent years, across formats, they do look a lot better. So, yeah, watch out for Berkshire definitely. If you're into national counties cricket, they've got something going on down in the south. So, yeah, just keep an extra close eye out on them heading into the near future. But Tom, aside from those days in the Berkshire age group system, let's talk now about your time with the Rosen Crown of Hampshire because they're a first-class county, one of the 18 clubs in this country with that status, and they are a historic and world-renowned side, aren't they, with some legends who have played for them over the course of their rich and illustrious history. So in terms of that opportunity, how did that first manifest itself? How did you go from playing for Berkshire to representing Hampshire County Cricket Club? Um, so, basically, we played Hampshire quite a few times, just like growing up in age group stuff. Um, I was at Middlesex on the EPP there, and um, basically Bobby Parks came to my dad in one of the games and said, like, what's the situation? Um, and basically liked me as a player, and signed me up on the uh, the academy. So I think at, at 15, I was on the on the Hampshire Academy. Um, actually, that whole year, I ended up having a stress fracture. Um, so I missed. It was, it was quite difficult, really, like moving to a different county and then not playing for a whole year. Um, but um, that's kind of how that kind of transferred from Berkshire to, to Hampshire. And it was obviously sad leaving Berkshire, but it was, you know, just for the career, like it, I think it had to be done and obviously absolutely love my time at Hampshire and, and love playing in, you know, the age group and, and the academy there. It's, um, yeah, it was really, really good memories. Oh, again, that's excellent here. And in terms of your initial impressions of Hampshire as a club, obviously the facilities down in the South Coast are absolutely astonishing, aren't they? Let's face it, and the Aegeus Bowl is, is some venue to play your cricket. But in terms of your initial impressions of the club, as an outfit and as a team, what did you make of the Rosen Crown as a side? Yeah, I think as, a, as growing up, it was they were always the team I'd supported and watched and, and loved. Um, so being able to kind of go there um, and and be part of it all was, was, was obviously a really, really cool kind of like boyhood kind of dream, I suppose. Um, and it was a really cool thing to be able to do that. Um, and it was nice because on the academy it wasn't it wasn't all just Hampshire players. You had some guys from minor counties that were coming and, and going. So it was you didn't kind of feel like an outsider, which was quite nice. Um and they were always they were always uh like welcoming like the the older guys, obviously the professionals at the time when you go there as an academy lad, you're obviously not you're not a professional by any means. Yeah, there's there's obviously a long way to go from that. Um 
but you know they were never they didn't walk around as if you know they were you were beneath or anything like that like it was it was always a, a decent environment to be involved in um and you know kind of probably why there's you know a good good social group there i guess in that sense because you know it starts from the bottom all the way up otherwise it kind of can create some probably social issues if if you're i don't know if you divide that academy up too much and it probably doesn't it's not great for the um for the, for the dressing room kind of moving forward oh of course not you, you need a sense of comfort and stability don't you in particular mm. in those formative years and in terms of those formative years at hampshire tom what do you say was your favourite moments from your time in the Hampshire age group setup? Because in 2016, if I'm not mistaken, you scored 288 in an under 17s match against Devon. So, in terms of of that knock, would that be the highlight, or was something else maybe surpassing that over the course of your time in that academy system? Um, there was we won the under. Six, uh, under 17 cup against Warwickshire that was a pretty cool uh pretty cool game like we were nowhere near winning it and then we somehow pulled out of the bat I think it was a two-day game and it was a two-day game at the time and I was 16 um and that was a pretty cool it was just quite a cool win I guess like it never won anything before um so that was pretty cool like in the team we were, we were pretty close so that was that was a, a cool win but the um yeah, the two hundred and eighty-eight would probably be up there for it on like a personal, personal note. Um, getting that score was was pretty cool, pretty cool thing to do. And it made local news as well. I saw a number of articles about it, so quite clearly it was <laughs> a, a very impressive knock and a memorable one at that. And as a result of those impressive performances at age group crickets, let's now fast forward to two thousand eighteen, which is a bit of a watershed year in your career because in January time obviously part and parcel of England's under-19 World Cup squad. So in terms of that opportunity, what was that like to represent England at that tournament? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, it was obviously a shame the way we, we kind of went out against Australia, which wasn't ideal. Um, but just to be involved and, and play for your country like age is obviously a, a massive thing. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, it was awesome to be part of. It was, it was great leading up to it in the months before we toured South Africa, which was really cool. Um, and played in a tri series out there against them in Namibia. That was that was awesome to be out there for a, just under a month, and then like flying out to New Zealand, like what a place for it! Um, unbelievable spot, and yeah, absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved my time there. Still, you know, in contact with obviously quite a few of the guys now. Obviously, are playing, so you kind of see them around the circuit and stuff, which is which is nice. So you kind of always got those those bonds there, which is which is a cool thing. It certainly is, and I know, obviously, the, the results wasn't what everybody wanted. It was a seventh-place finish in that tournament, but in terms of that side, just looking at it on paper, had the likes of Harry Brook, Will Jacks, Tom Banton, Roman Walker, Dylan Pennington, yourself. That was some setup, wasn't it, and some side that went over to New Zealand. Yeah, there was yeah, there was some good players. <laughs> yeah, we had a quite strong a strong lineup and. But it's yeah, I guess it's just one of those things, and it just didn't work out. Um, but you know, it's it obviously shows now if you look at where those guys are. A lot of them are obviously making great careers for themselves and stuff, which is which is quite a cool thing. Um, but it's uh, yeah, loved my time, loved my time in the nineteens. It was it was awesome. And and that's what it's all about, isn't it? 
at that age. I mean, obviously, a team with with that standard and caliber of player would have wanted better than a seventh place finish. But the under nineteen World Cup is about development, isn't it? It's not necessarily about who wins and even great performances. It's about learning, and I think that was definitely an excellent learning opportunity. And later on in 2018, Tom, you made your first team debut for Hampshire. So talk us through that. How special of a day, how special of a moment was it to walk out onto that cricket field and represent the rose and crown of Hampshire County Cricket Club? Yeah, it was pretty surreal at the time, to be honest. It was um, against Gloucester and uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was, an, it was a really, really, nice day if you, do you know what i mean like it was just go out there and enjoy it we were ultimately out the comp of, of the t20s and, and it was just go out there and play like have a smile on your face go out there and just enjoy it um we had a decent crowd in which was cool and yeah i just wanted to to go out there and and just take in as much as i could and i like to think i've kind of got quite a lot of you know i can remember a lot of it where sometimes you know games can fly by and they happen quite quick whereas it, it was nice to try and take it all in as much as, as I could. Um, so it was it was a really, really, really special night, yeah. I can imagine it was, and this is something which actually doesn't happen very often on the podcast, but you actually won your debut, which is a yeah. very, very nice extra, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that was, uh, it was a good start, yeah. It was a, a nice start with the, with the, with the winner, um, but it was, yeah, I think it was um, a difficult uh T20 campaign from what I remember um, 12th man quite a bit of, or just on the road and I think yeah you know it's just weird T20s just sometimes just about momentum isn't it I guess and they had a, like a really really good team and, and it, I think it just was one of those things where it just didn't come off um, but obviously look now at how successful Hampshire have been the last couple of years in, in T20 cricket and obviously in, in red ball and white ball as well um, but yeah yeah, they are an incredibly successful white ball outfit in particular. And it's funny, actually, you mentioned the, the strength of the side because in the batting department, you had the likes of James Vince, Friday Russo, Sam Northeast, right? Just to name a few. But in terms of the bowling attack, Liam Dawson, Gareth Berg, and then the big one, Dale Stain, the Stain <laughs> yeah. gun, 439 test wickets to that man's name. What was that like? stepping out onto the field with him, you know, an absolute bona fide legend of the game. How was that? Yeah, it was insane. It was insane. Obviously, like, my dad used to joke around um, when he was, like, throw balls at me when I was younger, and he'd joke around about, like, what bowler he was and stuff. Like, he'd pretend, obviously, he'd be like, oh, I'm Brett Lee now, or show back to him. And then he used to joke around about being, like, running in as Dale Stain and bowling as Dale Stain and, like, giving that big stare he used to do and stuff. And, like, then to take the, like, to take the field with him was insane like him talk to me a bit um just about bowling and I think he gave me a couple of his bowling spikes as well like, he was an absolute legend like the nicest guy ever um and I remember walking off the pitch and his arm he had his arm around my shoulders just walking off and he was like something like take it all in kind of thing like it's you know enjoy it all um and it was just yeah it was just it was a yeah really special moment kind of being able to pick kind of his brains considering the the caliber of bowler but yeah yeah he was what a man, by the sounds yeah, of that, look, goodness me. <laughs> well, yeah, he is a legend, guy. isn't he? Yeah. He really yeah. is an, a phenomenal cricketer, one of the best seen bowlers ever, and one of the scariest as well. You mentioned the, the aggression, yeah. the eyes, the stare afterwards. The intimidation factor was second to none from Dale Stain. So 
that is a lovely, lovely memory, Tom. And in terms of your time at Hampshire, would you say that that debut was one of your proudest moments or did something surpass it in the years that followed? You know, in, in retrospect and in hindsight, what do you say was your personal highlights from your time down on the South Coast? I think getting uh, that debut is obviously massive. I think getting your debuts in, you know, first-class cricket um, and the 50 over, 50 over, you know, kind of those are always really proud days. Um, and so there, you know, those would be up there. But I, I suppose that first initial kind of debut and kind of first game, no matter how whatever would have happened, you know, would always be a really, really special, special um, kind of memory of mine. Um, but... Yeah, I think the obviously a first class debut and, and the fifty over debuts obviously uh, are up there as well for for the memories. Well, let's just take a, a second to talk about that first class debut in particular because yet again it was another victory, wasn't it? An innings and fifty two runs to be specific. Yeah, be, yeah, be sorry. Yeah, which is massive, isn't it? Considering that they've now become this first class juggernaut mm. in English and Welsh cricket, so. In terms of that day, you did also take your, your maiden first-class wicket as well. So can you remember who your first victim was? Jamie Smith. Yes, it was. Can you remember yeah, how many runs behind. he got? Caught behind uh, 16. Oh, close. That, that's very good recall. 18, just two runs off. Yeah, something. I was going to go 20, 2,000, my next guess. Yeah, he, um, yeah caught behind. Um, little floaty half folly. Just managed to nick it. Yeah, you'll take them. Got to take them all. <laughs> Hey, it doesn't matter how they come. You learn that as a bowler. Whether you get it as a full toss or you get a pinpoint Yorker in the yeah. scorecards, it just says bold. <laughs> right, so exactly. on. <laughs> that's what you got to think of. But that was a crazy game, wasn't it, down in Arundel? Because Surrey got bowled out for 74 in the second innings. Absolutely insane yeah, to James think that. James Fuller got a hat-trick. Yes, um, he did. Which was wild. Um, yeah, it was, just, it was, yeah, it was a yeah, pretty, pretty mad <laughs> first first taste of, of first class cricket I guess um yeah it was yeah, it was a cool win that really cool I imagine it was and yeah you can't really get a, a finer scalp can you than Surrey given the fact that they are so strong in Red Bull cricket mm. and yeah that was just commanding wasn't it from from Hampshire on that particular occasion but Tom before we get on to our chats about Leicestershire and we talk about a certain list a competition which <laughs> took place in 2023 I have no doubts we'll talk about that in a lot of detail, but in terms of your time at Hampshire, aside from the proud moments and the highlights, what do you say was the toughest moment from your time on the South Coast? Because cricket isn't a tremendously easy game, is it? You have your massive highs, you have incredible lows, and it's all part and parcel of the sporting journey. So aside from the, the great moments, what do you say was one of your more difficult and, and tougher ones from your time with the Southern County? I think um, I picked up quite a few injuries when I was there and that was a pretty difficult thing. Um, you know, you're ultimately, if you're going to get picked, you've got to be on the park and, and like obviously didn't, I didn't play much for Hampshire. I played a lot of second team cricket um, and I think there were times where it was incredibly frustrating because I wasn't giving myself kind of like a chance to 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 put your name in the hat at times because of injuries. You, you could put some good performances in the twos and then you'd uh, pick up a niggle or something like that. And it was it was difficult. Um, I remember one time I'd been out with a side strain and I'd 
just come back and then that training session i split my finger open like compound fractured my finger so i fractured it and then it literally the bone went straight through um literally that training session back and i was out again for however many weeks and it was it was just one of those where they just kept building and like freak ones um that was just pretty difficult to to take i guess um I think all sports and obviously go through injuries and then they're never ideal and i think when you keep when they keep building up and they keep and you can clearly see it getting in the way of your you know a, a chance at your career anyway um every time it was kind of being and you know running into one-year deals and stuff and you keep getting these injuries it was it was difficult because yeah like it wasn't just uh the injury itself but it's the time or you know Am I going to get a chance here? Am I not? Am I just going to be going to get released then? Like, is this going to be me done? Um, so that kind of weighing in uh, quite for like quite a young guy is, was always um, probably one of the bigger, bigger challenges. Um, but like, to be fair, the support staff, they were awesome. Like the physios um, were so good. Like they were always there for me, like more as, as friends as well as not just kind of work colleagues. Um and had a lot of close mates there, which were, you know, kind of always had your back, which was a nice thing. Um, so it's not like you were alone doing it. I think that would have been really, really difficult if you kind of just out there alone. Um, but they were, that was probably, yeah, probably a difficult time is those those repetitive injuries um, when you're kind of staring down the, the barrel of the gun a bit, as it were, when it comes to thinking that's kind of going to be your, your career. And that is a tremendously difficult aspect of county cricket, isn't it? Because there's so much uncertainty. It's such a volatile and cutthroat environment at times because you do see a lot of consummate county professionals and they'll have incredible decade-long careers. But for the vast majority of players, they might only have one or two years in the county circuit as a result of injuries or lack of performances. It's a very, very brutal environment at times. And just in terms of your time at Hampshire, Tom, before we discuss... Leicestershire County Cricket Club. How do you reflect on your time with the Southern County? Because you had some great moments at the club, incredibly proud moments as well, such as those debuts across all three formats. But just judging by that passage and the frustration with the injuries, do you think there's also a little bit of unfinished business with the Southern County at times? Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say maybe unfinished business. I think it was... You know, it's like you're young and you want to be playing as much as you can. Like you want to be doing well in the twos, scoring runs or whatever in the twos. And you're kind of like, oh, you know, like give me, you know, let me play, let me play kind of thing. But ultimately you've got to remember kind of how many good players they had and, and you know, the, the pecking order of it were. And, and I think, uh, you know, as a young guy, that then combined with injuries, obviously difficult. Um, so it was, it was ultimately you know, you had to be on the park and, and have a bit of luck going away or something like that to kind of get your chance. And ultimately, you know, I didn't really have that. I spent a lot of time playing in, in second team cricket for a long period of time. Um, and that was just kind of how it, how it was, I guess. Like, you know, there's, I wouldn't really say there's any unfinished business there with, with you know, I absolutely love my time at Hampshire. I loved playing with a lot of guys that I still talk to and good friends of them. Like I moved to Leicester and the first time is Hampshire at, um, uh, on the same kind of pre-season so I saw them within a couple of months which was which was quite funny and nice like it, I, it was nice to see them and talk to them as, as if you know nothing's really changed there just because I'm playing a different county doesn't mean you can't still be mates with a lot of guys that you've kind of grown up with um, 
so I've got yeah I've got no no nothing bad there to say at all about amateur to be honest with you and, and that's not just being PG I generally have nothing no bad blood there at all or any kind of resentment or obviously you'd, you'd want to play more for them it would be nice to play like not saying that I should have but just in terms of just being able to play more for amateur would, be, would have been a nice thing as, as a boyhood club um but yeah absolutely love my time there but was also really excited when the opportunity came up um with Leicester and have absolutely loved the last two years at Leicester Oh, that is great to hear. First and foremost, about your time at Hampshire. I'm really happy to hear that, Tom. And yeah, I mean, that is just how life works out, isn't it, sometimes? In particular in cricket, there's so much competition. As I mentioned, it's volatile, it's cutthroat. And at certain clubs, those opportunities just don't manifest themselves. But as one door does shut, another one opens. And Pastures are New turned out to be in the East Midlands view, didn't they? That's at Grace Road, which... I, I cannot wait to talk about it, to be honest, because I've got a tremendous lot of, of respect for Leicestershire as a county and I do enjoy my trips there. So in terms of that initial opportunity, how did that first materialise? How did you go from the south coast to the East Midlands? What were the, the processes and I suppose the, the steps that you took in order to achieve that? Yeah, it happened quite quick, to be honest. It was basically spoke to, to Nico um, and I came down at the end of the whatever the summer it was and... and I had a net session there, met some of the guys. Obviously, it's always a bit odd when they're like, oh, who's this? Some Southern Blues. Obviously, I hadn't played much, like, you know. So they're kind of like, oh, who's this Southern dude um, that's come to the nets? And like a couple of lads I'd played with or beforehand. So I kind of knew of me or, or knew me. Um, and then went to watch one of the, the first day at Worcester um, at New Road. And... Uh, went to watch there for a day and again tried to chat some of the lads it was quite funny now looking back on it and speaking to some of the guys about it and they were just like thinking I was just some tool hanging around watching this game like they're like what's he like <laughs> why is he here kind of thing which is which is quite funny um and and then from there basically yeah through you know Nico and Claude had just been appointed as director of cricket um and you know, Sean Jarvis, CEO, kind of was was uh, offered me the the two year contract, um, and and went from there really. So then started training up in in that winter. Goodness me, that isn't too long at all. But yeah, in terms of your first impressions then of Leicestershire, a bit like I asked about Hampshire, what were your initial impressions of of Grace Road and and Leicestershire as a club? Because it is different, isn't it, from Hampshire? But the community element of Leicestershire, I think, is just fantastic. So what did you make of the East Midlands County? Yeah, definitely that sense of communities there. I'm not saying it wasn't there at Hampshire, but you definitely feel that at Leicester. Um, and I don't know, there's probably like a, a younger age group at Leicester. So more guys, similar ages, kind of similar situations. You know, they didn't didn't have families or things like that. Obviously, a couple of lads do, but um, probably a bit more, found it easy to be a bit more social and stuff. Um at Leicester and you know when you're training and playing and doing things you, you kind of naturally get close to guys quickly whereas I don't know in other jobs and other professions it's probably a bit harder whereas here you're kind of always spending time with them doing activities and stuff and whether that's cricket, golf, walks, coffee, whatever it is, it's, it's quite a social social club room when it comes to the, the group of players so yeah I really enjoyed that and it kind of helped me get closer to guys you know quickly I suppose. 
Well, that's really interesting to hear then. So in terms of the, the different demographic then, that's made it a lot easier to, to sure. settle in in the East Midlands County. And that's really good to hear, Tom. And in terms of your time at Leicestershire so far, I think I know what the, the answer to this question might be. But what do you say has been the highlights or the proudest sure. moments from your time with the Foxes to date? Because as we alluded to beforehand, there was quite a special day, wasn't there? in 2023. I can't quite remember where it was, potentially at Trent Bridge, if my memory serves me correctly, but I'm guessing it is that Metro Bank One Day Cup final that would be up there. Yeah, the the Metro Bank final was will probably be one of my greatest days of my life in general, let alone cricket or anything. I don't think I'll ever forget that day, ever. Um, it was, that's definitely there. I think like little side ones was um, getting a five for at the Oval was pretty cool, and uh, you know, in a decent crowd there, um, uh, in front of quite a lot of uh, old friends had come to watch and stuff. So that was quite nice doing it in front of them. Um, and to be fair, almost like the even recently, like that Sussex game where we almost chased five hundred, that would have been obviously it would have would have been something like really really special if we'd managed just to get over the line i think we fell short by 10 runs or something um but it would have been nice to try and if i got a knot out at the end there um after taking a couple of wickets in the game like it would have been quite a nice a nice way to kind of sign off that red ball because i think there's only one more or two more games left after that but uh yeah obviously the, the 50 over the 50 over final in the campaign itself was is just definitely by far the, the biggest highlight as it should be as well, because it was one of the days of the season, to be honest, an absolutely insane final, worthy of the 2023 Metro Bank One Day Cup. Leicester should beat in Hampshire by two runs at Trent Bridge. And I've got to ask first and foremost, before we get into the conclusion and the denouements of, of, that, of that incredible game, the start that Leicestershire had, what was going through your mind in that game? when your side were 19 for four in the seventh over, because a lot of people at that moment completely wrote you guys off. So what was the the mentality, what was the attitude like in the dressing room after that? Well, let's face it, very poor start. Yeah, it was, to be fair, it we weren't actually like, and I'm not changing, not just saying this, but like there wasn't like loads of panic around and like whatever. I think it almost, because it was like almost so bad, almost relaxed us up a bit to be like, right, well, we've got nothing to lose now. Like we're 19 for four. Do you know what I mean? Like it almost loosened whoever was going in next. And obviously to watch the partnership that Harry and Sam had was, was insane. Um, but I think it, it, it maybe even just thought we've got nothing to lose now. Like not that we were going to lose the game, but it was just like, oh, well, you know what? Let's just go out there and, and play. Like we're 19 for four. And I remember speaking to Harry because he was putting his pads on. And I was just like, you know, we spoke about this last night. Just go out and do it, enjoy it. Um, and he certainly enjoyed it, that's for sure. He certainly did. 117 outs for, for Harry Swindles and Sam Evans as well. The unsung hero scoring 60, the, the glue in that partnership. Mm. As those two upon 151 runs for the seventh wicket. And a moment which I thought was very nice, Tom, was actually with you and Harry because you're out there in the middle when he hit that four to bring up his century. So what was that like, given the fact that you'd given him that piece of advice beforehand? What was that like being out in the middle and celebrating with him after he brought up one of the best list day knocks, probably, in recent English history? Yeah, I mean, 
to be fair, it was, it was lesser advice before. It was more like we basically sat in our hotel room the night before and we kind of joked around about it being like last dance with him kind of thing, like one more game for Leicester and all this kind of thing. Like we, we openly, because I, I live with him, so he's like one of my best mates at Leicester. Um, so obviously been through a tough summer, obviously seen it firsthand back at, at home, um, which hasn't obviously been too nice to see. And then obviously got the opportunity to play in the final. Um, and we were just talking the night before and we were just, he was just like, he kept like, oh, just imagine, like, imagine start getting 100, like, signing off like match winning knock and things like that and we were like oh, it's gonna happen and like it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and then he was putting his pads on and i said to him i was like remember what we spoke about yesterday like it's gonna happen and then he went out and then i luckily was managed to be out there with him after obviously like you said a, an awesome knock by sam um who i think kept cramping so he had to go off the field when he was fielding he like had to get wheeled off because he'd uh used up too many <laughs> minerals <laughs> um which is which is funny um so he kind of kept having cramps and stuff. So he was kind of on and off the field. Um, but being able to be out there with Harry when he got his 100 and what innings it was, like it was, yeah, it was pretty emotional for me, really. Like, obviously for him, it was it was huge um, for a number of reasons. But yeah, just being out there to watch him do it, like he fully deserved it. He worked so hard. Um, and it, it just showed his class as a player out there. And I, I was almost crying when he got his 100. I think my parents both were crying when he got his 100 um and it just it just i just knew how much it meant to him and his family that were all there um which was such a nice moment obviously um and like the like the crowd was singing he is he's one of our own like he is leicester through and through his boyhood dream was playing for leicester um so to watch him do that on the one of the biggest stages you can do really in domestic in a final and domestic cricket um and to play the way he did and also keep really well which gets not really mentioned either um was just a was an awesome thing to watch and, and it was nice that you know later on me him and sam were sat out in on the pitch at like 10 o'clock whatever it was you know with the trophy in our hands um just like trying to reminisce and you know remember and take it all in um so it was yeah a really really special day there it really was and to be honest tom i don't think i can articulate any better than that i, I think sure. you've done my job for me it was tremendously special wasn't it and something which Obviously, the likes of yourself and Harry will never forget, but those Leicestershire fans, and there were loads of them, weren't there, at yeah. Trent Bridge on that day. Goodness me, completely packed out the Radcliffe Road stand and were vocal all day long, definitely a 12th man on that occasion. And that, that's just the first innings that we've just spoken about, where, where Leicestershire got up to 267 for seven. But we've also got to talk about the conclusion of Hampshire's innings because... It got dicey, didn't it? Let's face it. Towards the end, Liam Dawson started absolutely hammering it about all over the place. So, in terms of that final over, what were the nerves like for yourself and the rest of the lads? It's difficult, really, because for a lot of it, I just thought, like, sounds bad, but I was like, just kept thinking that they're, you know, they're on top here for a lot of it, which maybe helped us because it was always theirs to lose in that sense, and. We obviously, none of the players or not many of the players have been in finals before. So being able to kind of be that vibe of like nothing to lose, let's just throw everything we've got, probably helped us not overthink the situation, I think, at times. Um, and, you know, a couple of things, I think, you know, that Will Davis catch, considering the fact that, like, what one thing is is, you know, missing out in the finals never a nice thing and all the lads took it so well and 
and Gabe offered so much to the group, even though, you know, when they weren't playing, which is obviously not ever nice news to have. And then another thing is then having to come field for a period of time when you're not actually playing in the game, which is never an easy thing to do. And then to take that catch on top of it in the situation of the game was just absolutely insane. Like it was an unbelievable catch. Um, then you had Hully took a great catch as well. Um, then obviously Wrighty bowled that over that only went for three, that penultimate over, which was insane. So the old boy, uh, the old boy did his work, which was, which was nice. Um, and, and, and yeah, I guess when it came to that final over, like honestly, the, I think if I I watch it back and I'm nervous, but when I when you're actually playing, when I was actually there, like it, I actually wasn't that nervous. Weirdly enough, I obviously wasn't bowling. But I was a deep square where where Keith was kind of aiming at cow or square, and I was a bit like, if Holly was a short ball, I think it could be coming my way um, with one ball to go, which was a which again, like I didn't really think about it at the time, but then watching it back, I get more nervous watching it back, like. Well, like almost like I don't know. It's weird, but I think you're in you're in like a little bubble, I guess, for that last over. Um, and it was, yeah. So I wouldn't say there was like loads of nerves and everyone was stressed. Like it was weird. It was kind of, I think we were all just in like a little bubble, um, as it were. Like there kept being moments earlier on in the game where me and Sol were just looking at each other and we just start laughing when we're in the outfield because you could just hear this crowd just like booming, like these chants. Like it was honestly insane. Um, and yeah, when it came to that final over, Hully just held his nerve and, and obviously bowled a great set. Um, and we got we got the pretty pretty crazy win. It it really was pretty crazy. It's probably an understatement, isn't it? To be honest, it was absolutely mind blowing. It was an incredible final, an incredible way to wrap up that competition because it was outstanding, wasn't it? For Leicestershire, it really was a very strong competition only lost once over the course of the Metrobank One Day Cup. So worthy winners, to say the least. And in terms of that winning moment, Tom, what can you remember about the moments which sealed it all? And the the fact that Leicestershire had been crowned as the List A champions of England and Wales for the first time in 38 years, it's a tremendous achievement. So what can you remember about that winning moment? Um, I can... I remember obviously when it got hit out to Akers, Akers throws in and I was just running. I literally, I think I threw my cap off and I was just running in the middle, just like shouting. I don't know what I was saying, but like, it was just, yeah, you just, you got hit by a feeling which I'd never really experienced before ever. And it's something that like, you really want to experience again because there's nothing quite like it. I don't think that that feeling, I can't really describe it. Um, But like your first trophy in professional cricket, doing it with, you know, a really tight group of guys was just insane in front of what felt like a home a home game. Like the crowd was unbelievable. The crowd's been unbelievable all year. Like it's it was so nice to win it for the fans as well, more than anything else. Like they've had a lot of years of, you know, not great results and pretty tough times if we're honest. Um so to be able to do that and win you know, win it for them as much as for, for Leicester Cricket Club and, and the players and, and and the families and stuff was was really special and that meant a lot um but yeah that end that end feeling i was just running around going crazy like i don't know what i was doing <laughs> it's probably embarrassing if the camera come on me but it was uh it was yeah it was it was really special it was and i know we've used that word a lot but i think it's it's worthy of it it was an incredible final 
a remarkable way to wrap up what was an unforgettable campaign. And I know this is a very profound question to say this, Tom, but has it sunk in yet? Because when you think about that as an achievement, 38 years, Leicestershire had not lifted a list A trophy since 1985. It's a monumental achievement. So has it really sunk in yet all of these months later? Uh, I think, yeah, I think it's, I think it has. I think it was difficult because we, we were still trying to push for championship promotion. So you kind of had to park. It was weird. You kind of played that weekend and then you had to park it and train on the Monday, Tuesday, I think. We had a game on the Wednesday or the game on the Tuesday, one of the two, um, or Thursday, something like that. Um, so it was kind of, you had to kind of park it for a bit. Um, and then I think once the season ended, you kind of realised how special it was. Um, and like how that like, like that doesn't come around that often, I guess. Like some people go through have amazing careers in first in professional cricket and don't win a trophy. So to be able to yeah to be able to do that in that in kind of my second kind of year of of playing first team cricket um, was was awesome. Yeah, it was it was insane. And it was well-deserved as well. As I mentioned, Leicestershire, absolutely superb throughout the entirety of that competition. And yeah, even though I was a neutral at Trent Bridge on that day, even I had goosebumps, I can't lie. I don't know what it would have been like for the Leicestershire fans who'd waited all these years for that. I mean, I think you've again articulated that very nicely, Tom. They deserved it, didn't they? In terms of their support, in terms of the fact that so many of them, yes, it might be a short journey, but it still costs a lot of money to make those trips, either by car or by train, and then obviously you've got the ticket price on top of that. So, yeah, full respect to the Leicestershire fans, and as you rightfully said, they were absolutely brilliant on the day. And just before we talk about the the future, Tom, and wrap up today's episode of the podcast, just one final question about 2023, because all in all, it was a very, very promising summer for the Foxes. So lifting the Metro Bank One Day Cup, finishing fourth in Division 2, almost getting that promotion place in second, but then also finishing ninth in the in the North Group in the T20 Blast. In hindsight and with the power of retrospect, how would you summarise both your performances and I suppose the team's performances in the summer of 2023? Um, I would say that I think we made a really promising strides in terms of uh, like the like the stigma around Leicestershire kind of cricket club, I suppose, in terms of, you know, we kind of believed at the start of the year that we had a chance of, of going up and, and winning a competition. Um, and we genuinely said that, like Hilly kept saying, oh, I, I think we could do something special this year. I truly believe that. And obviously started off with that win at Yorkshire, which I obviously wasn't part of, but watching it was, was insane. And, um, you know, obviously for a few years back in time, you know, not you know Leicester were you know not competing and, and stuff and and just that sense of belief like installing a sense of belief is is quite an important thing and I think you can only do that through through winning games and on-field kind of situations rather than you can have all the chats you want in um in the in the winter and stuff about you know teams and and culture and, and all this kind of thing and how to you know, how to be a more dominant team on, you know, whatever. But ultimately, I think a lot of the time it comes down to to kind of in-game situations. And I'd like to think, you know, through that final and, and just general performances we've put in and scrapped for 
in the in the Red Bull stuff that that's kind of going to hold us in good stead moving forward um, and kind of we can build on that for something uh, whereas um, I think at times you kind of start from square one again but I feel like now because we've got a lot of the same same players um, we can really build on from that last year and and try and give it you know a good go again to, to compete in that 50 over comp to, to win it again and and in the Red Bull you know try and compete again to, to push for promotion um, and so you know for me that's a massive thing looking forward and and I think thankfully we've, we've put in performances and um, players have gained more experience which should help towards that belief of of like you know lifting that you know the way people see Leicester County Cricket Club um, and yeah on a personal note like it was nice just to contribute and win and, and win the 50 over and, and do well with you know in certain performances and similar to the to the Red Bull um, took quite nice uh, Matt Wickets in that back back air back kind of month or two um, didn't score the runs I would have liked but you know that's a big big win to work on um, so yeah, I've kind of waffled on there for a while, but that's uh, there you go. Oh, don't worry about it, Tom. Honestly, I think you've summarised that very nicely, and I completely agree. To be honest, I do think these are some very, very exciting times for Leicestershire County Cricket Club because I think back to two thousand and nineteen, even two thousand and eighteen, and Leicestershire as a club seemed to have completely lost their way. So there was a disconnect between them and the fan base. The club wasn't really going anywhere in mm. terms of an identity. Then they had that rebuild, didn't they, in 2020 and 2021, of which you are a part, the likes of Rian Ahmed, the likes of Sol Budinger, the likes of Josh Hull, etc., etc. And now all of a sudden, there's a real sense of optimism, isn't there, in the East Midlands? There's a sense of we can go out there, not just compete, but win games, win silverware. And now that you've done it, it comes back to that old saying of success breeds success. You've done it once. You can do it again. You've got the players, you've got the capabilities. So completely agree about that and yeah. talking of the future because as i've just mentioned there very very exciting times what are your future aspirations with leicestershire county cricket club on both a personal and i suppose a, a team perspective what would you like to achieve heading into the summer of 2024 and of course the years beyond yeah i think like i said just keep feeling like we're moving forwards and not pausing or moving backwards so being able to feel like we're moving forward as a group of players um is a massive thing and i think you know this year should really help with that i think when you like you said when you win something i think that definitely is a bond with a group of players when you win something together that you can't really you can't instill it in any other way apart from if you win something and to be able to do that is something we obviously haven't had for all those years so which is why i think it is quite exciting um and i think just keep keep being competitive in Red Bull games I think and, and and push for that push for that promotion um and look to try and get into Div 1 I think that's obviously the aim there and maybe like oh winning it's looking too far but just like I said just competing in games and, and making sure it goes down to that fourth day that last session whatever it is um it's quite a big thing for us and then and just scrapping throughout those, those games um and yeah, I think we as a group we want to do better in, in the T20s. Obviously, we've been the year before. I think we got we missed out on the quarterfinals for band for points or something. And I think I think we we're in the quarters the year before that. Um, 
so we've, we've normally done decently in that in that t20 and i think last year obviously wasn't great so i think we've we've got a lot of work to do there but i think a lot of the lads are excited about that and then 50 overs just trying to compete again really like you gotta so it's a fresh start it's a fresh year and it's um i think the lads want to general chat was like oh well, like want to want to try and push for it again you know you don't want to oh we've won something now like great i think you kind of want more um you're like i said you want that winning feeling which you can you know it's like a bit like a drug isn't it um so yeah i'd say they're probably the uh the aspirations moving forward well tom it goes without saying but obviously myself and everybody associated with the county cricket podcast are wishing yourself and of course leicestershire all the best of luck heading into the summer of 2024 and the years beyond because as you mentioned very very exciting times the defending champions of the one day cup that must be quite a nice title and a nice tag to take into next season and of course in the red bull stuff as well increasingly competitive so again if things go your way promotion could be on the cards we'll have to wait and see so very very interesting intriguing and exciting times down at grace road and yeah if you're in the leicestershire area get down and support the lads because it is a very very exciting bunch to say the least and yeah, I think that's pretty much it, to be honest, for today's episode of the Counter Cricket Podcast. I think we've got all the bases covered for today's recording. So, yeah, before we say our final goodbyes then, Tom, for today's episode, do you have anything to plug or promote? Any social media channels, websites, businesses, anything like that? Uh, no, just like you said, you know, try and get down to Leicester if you're around the air as much as you can. It was obviously awesome having that crowd in that, in that final and you know, had a lot of the footy fans there and stuff. So, you know, if you're, you're in the area, definitely get down to, to Grace Road as much as you can. But no, thank you very much for having me. It's been, uh, it's been awesome. Uh, it's my pleasure, mate. As I said, it was a long time coming. We wanted to get you on the podcast all the way from the start of the season. And yes, yeah, definitely been worth it. So I've just had a look at the time. Over an hour has passed. So yeah, <laughs> definitely worth it, mate. And always welcome back here on the Counter Cricket Podcast for some chats about the greatest sports ever invented. But that is it from us two here at the Counter Cricket Podcast for today's episode. To each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you ever so much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the next one.